We know Georgia politics from Peachtree Street to Pennsylvania Avenue. Politically Georgia podcast delivers exclusive news and analysis five days a week by a team of veteran political insiders watching your public officials. Hosted by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Greg Bluestein, Bill Nygut, Tia Mitchell, and Patricia Murphy. Listen weekdays at 10 a.m. on WABE 90.1. Stream everywhere or at AJC.com forward slash podcasts. News and analysis five days a week from Politically Georgia podcast. Ugh, not again. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you're eligible for a couple of free rides home each year, guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. From the studios of Fox 5 in Washington, D.C., you are on the Hill. I'm Tom Fitzgerald. We thank you for joining us once again. This past week, the governors of Virginia and Maryland announced an historic agreement in the National Capital Region, the expansion of the American Legion Bridge, which has become a choke point for traffic throughout the nation's capital and the surrounding states. Joining us this morning to talk about this project and other issues affecting traffic and transportation and the economy in the Washington, D.C. area is Jason Miller. He's the CEO of the Greater Washington Partnership. And Jason, we welcome you on the Hill. Thanks for having me. Uh, The governor of Maryland is a Republican. The governor of Virginia is a Democrat. Larry Hogan in Maryland, Ralph Northam in Virginia. A lot of people are used to Democrats and Republicans going at it over political issues. But these two came together this week in a big way, transcending maybe political differences to talk and address something that's been a big problem for for a lot of drivers. Um, are you surprised at all that they were able to get this deal done? Look, Tom, this is, this is a really big deal. And what has held back progress on the bridge in particular in the past is that you have uh, a big traffic choke point. It will cost a decent amount of money to address it. And just from a maintenance standpoint, it needs to be addressed. Maryland owns 79% of the bridge. Virginia owns 21% of the bridge. So how we were going to address that uh, has taken years. Now, the second thing is, if you look over the last couple of years with these two governors, with Mayor Bowser, with the three jurisdictions, we've seen a lot of progress on dealing with difficult, longstanding issues. Last year, coming together around dedicated funding and reforms for Metro, something that hasn't happened in Metro's lifetime. The three leaders of the jurisdictions all saying, Amazon, you have three partners, irrespective of which one of us you pick. This is a signal to the region that this is how we do business. One of the things that um, people were looking at with this road is the addition of these express lanes. Now, Anybody who's driven around the Beltway in D.C. can tell you that when you're in Virginia, there is a whole extra set of lanes Mm -hmm. that you can travel uh, if you have an easy pass transponder in your car, which will get you out of the regular traffic if you pay a toll. The problem is uh, the Beltway is a road that goes through Virginia and then goes into Maryland. Maryland doesn't have any express toll lanes and where this comes to an end is almost right at the legion bridge yes which separates virginia and maryland so you wind up even having saved a lot of time and paid your toll in virginia 
coming to a dead stop in a lot of traffic because all of these lanes, both the Easy's Pass Express lanes and the regular traffic lanes, merge into one. Yeah. How important will it be to mobility to have those express lanes keep going forward and going in? It around? will have a huge impact. And we really, you need to think about the road network as one broader system, right? If you just have these individual pieces with managed toll lanes, it doesn't operate as a system. That notion of crossing the bridge, going all the way around the beltway, going up 270, going out 66, going on I-395, that is the connectivity that allows people to really move in an effective uh, fast manner and use the toll lanes when they need it. Most people that use them today aren't people that use it every day. They choose to use it for that specific day for a specific need. This is part of a larger effort on the part of Maryland's governor to um, expand capacity on, on a lot of the roads. Now, I want to ask you about some of the criticism of this because, you know, we've heard from Sierra Club in the past mm-hmm. couple of days uh, since the announcement saying that building more roads is not an answer to this. There have also been people who've talked about um, tolling not being uh, fair to people of lower income. Right. Um, are those are those valid points? So um, when you're going to do tolling, you have to do it in the right way. It's the idea of pricing a portion of the capacity. So you are still you still have the option to use free lanes or the new lanes, which are priced for a specific, you know, based upon traffic. The second piece is if you're going to do it in the right way, you should use some of that revenue to to fund new transit service. We've seen Virginia do that today. There's not any transit service going across the bridge because a bus would just sit in traffic. So no operator is going to run transit service across the bridge. So you're left with either VRE, which is not really a, a mass transit system. It's a train sure. that goes one way in the morning and, and one way at night. I, I, I don't know if we'd you know, equate that to a, to a viable uh, mass transit system for a lot of people who live in Northern Virginia, especially if you don't live near the train. Yeah. Um, or Metro, or Metro Rail, rather, we should say specifically, because of the lack of you know, bus capability there. So, so that would be part of this. Yeah, look, I think... Dealing with the high, so so to people who criticize, dealing with the highway system is just one part of an overall regional solution. Utilizing our commuter rail network in a much more effective way, which the next big step is the Long Bridge, uh, which is currently a two-track bridge connecting Northern Virginia to the District of Columbia, and Virginia and the District of Columbia are working on rehabbing that bridge and expanding it to four tracks so that you have more VRE service. Mm-hmm. You have the possibility of train service from Maryland through the District of Columbia into Northern Virginia. You have to do all of these pieces together, dealing with the highway system, improving metro, using roads in a smarter way for buses, getting at our commuter rail system. If you just do one of them, it's a little bit like whack-a-mole. One of the big questions about this since it was uh, first announced the other day, uh, you know, we'd kind of heard it from people as well, too, on our social media feeds is, will this work? Do, do we know that, that expanding the bridge is necessarily going to work? Um, there's been studies on this mm-hmm. as well, too, about capacity. But the capacity as it stands right now from where this bridge was when it opened in 1962, I think it's like 390%. Yeah. Did I read that yeah, correctly? Yeah, that's the, that's the number that was quoted. You had about 60,000 
vehicles traveling across the bridge in 1962, and you have about 235, 240,000 on a daily basis today. So, which, yeah. which tells you when they built this in 1962, they couldn't have imagined of what was to come. Right. Um, because that is just an astronomical increase in the span of, you know, or I think we're looking at probably you know, 57, 58 years now. Yeah. Um, how does this fit into what primarily a lot of the work you do, which was, you know, forming these partnerships amongst the business community mm-hmm. in our area? Why do roads matter to businesses? Yeah. I mean, more broadly, transportation yeah. matters to businesses because, you know, first, um, people need to be able to get from where they work to where they live, from where they live to where they work. So your ability to access the workforce is severely constrained if people can't get to their job, they can't get there on time. If you're trying to retain people and they're dealing with, as you said, soul-crushing traffic, they're going to move somewhere else. I stole that from Governor Hogan. Fair enough. That's Governor Governor Hogan's favorite way to describe the traffic on 270 and the Beltway. And I've stolen it because I think it's, it's completely accurate. You know, you get in your car, you think you're going to go somewhere, and then you get out onto 270 or you get out onto the Beltway, especially at the Legion Bridge, and you just sit there and go, oh. <laughs> you know, any anticipation you had at your arrival of your destination, whether it be work, yes, there are some of us who like to go to work. Right. Um, but it also, I don't, I don't think, in a, you know, not to get on this, you know, psychiatrist couch here, but I, I wonder, have, have, have any of you talked about the kind of employee that arrives at work when they've had to put up with this? Sure. It can't be the best mindset to walk in the door of the workplace in the morning after you've just put up with, you know, this soul-crushing traffic. It's got to have some impact on productivity. Oh, absolutely. I mean, one, if you're not sure whether you're going to be there at 8.30 or at 9.30 on any daily basis, it creates stress and strain for you and for your family. If you're at the end of the day trying to figure out how you're going to get out the door and go pick up your kid from daycare and daycare closes at 6, it's going to create a lot of stress and strain. So you're not you know, enjoying your daily experience. You're not focused on your day-to-day tasks and activities. It has, it has a big impact. And having people that are enjoying their quality of life, yeah, it matters for the region. It matters for our effectiveness. It matters as you think about where businesses want to invest. Ah, come on. Feeling like you might freak out? Try Guaranteed Ride Home from Commuter Connections. If you ride share to work, you are eligible to receive a couple of free rides home each year. Guaranteed. Why freak out about getting home in case of illness, unexpected emergencies, or unscheduled overtime? Register or renew today for free at commuterconnections.org or 800-745-RIDE. That's commuterconnections.org. Some restrictions apply. Talk to me about the Greater Washington Partnership. It's a great name. Yep. It sounds friendly. <laughs> Everybody likes to have a partner. Sure. And it does encompass the fact that, you know, this area, although it is a District of Columbia and a, a state of Maryland and a Commonwealth of Virginia, really our region is, is kind of one thing so what is the work that the greater washington yeah so the the partnership is an alliance of the leaders of the biggest employers from of the capital region baltimore washington and richmond focused on the big issues that can move our region forward 
bringing people together around those issues. Transportation is a perfect example of that. We need the governments from different jurisdictions, primarily the Commonwealth of Virginia, Maryland, the District of Columbia, but also you need business leaders and advocates to come together in a consistent way over time because these things aren't short term. They cut across election cycles, they cut across business cycles. A lot of people like to look at Washington DC and say, you know, from other parts of the country, oh well you people are isolated from a lot of the the issues that, you know, the country deals with economically because you have this entrenched government, the federal government is always going to, you know, keep home prices uh, at a certain level and, 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 you know, keep people employed in the federal government. But in 2008, when the recession hit, businesses did feel it in this area. Uh, how have they recovered now from 2008? Are we back to pre-2008 levels of, of business and employment in our area right now? Or was there a set point that was reached and businesses learned how to do more with less and have continued on that path. Look, unemployment is at incredibly low levels on average throughout the region. Our region has unbelievable strengths. First and foremost, the talent that's here, the higher education institutions that are here, the skill sets that are here. But actually, if you look at growth in our region since the Great Recession, since 2010, we're actually one of the slowest growing major metro areas in the country. Our growth rate's only been a little bit faster than 1% in a region or in a country that has grown a little bit faster than 2% over that period. So we've gotten back, we've gotten back, we're in an okay place right now, but we still haven't harnessed the, the full strengths and assets that we have to grow at a rate that then, you know, can really create opportunity. For Why do you think that region. is? What's holding that back? Well, you know, part of it has been, um, the federal government is a larger share here by a lot than it is other places. Mm -hmm. And the federal government's not going to be a major growth driver going forward as it was in certain decades in the past. Um, I think what you've seen over the last year or two are steps that will increase the likelihood of us being successful. Amazon coming here is a big deal, not because of you know the, the tens of thousands of jobs at Amazon, but because of the broader impact it has on the region, enabling more startups, increasing the over overall talent capabilities, getting people to really think about this region as more than just, you know, what what people have in the past thought of this region as. It's been a year now since Amazon announced that its H2Q headquarters mm -hmm. was going to be located here, uh, right in Northern Virginia, an area uh, called Crystal City in Arlington, Virginia, which is going to be renamed uh, National Landing at some point. Originally, it was supposed to be split between um, a suburb of New York City and, right. and uh, but those plans for New York were apparently canceled um, due to some uh, resistance up in that area a year later now and you know we're now seeing you know construction in the area where Amazon is going how, how did that decision change people's in the business communities impression image reputation whatever you want to call it of the Washington DC area because I'm guessing for a long time we kind of had a reputation as Eh, you know what? Capital of the federal government. Right. You know, maybe a little bit boring. It seems like in the last year, Amazon's announcement, even though we who live here know that there's a lot going on here, really was a game changer on how the, the country and the world views yeah. the Washington, D.C. area. Absolutely. I mean, um, you know, when Amazon made the announcement, they said there was one factor that drove their decision talent, talent talent, talent. 
And this is a place with incredibly talented people. They were looking in particular for people with digital tech talent. That is a huge growth area. It's a need for companies irrespective of what industry they're in. We are actually the third largest um, pool of tech talent in the country behind the New York area and behind the Bay Area in California. We're the number one producer of digital tech talent when you look at universities and community colleges. And people it's forget that, deal. which is amazing, because if you, you know, you know, just for, if you're looking for examples, you know, two of the biggest names in sports in our area, Ted Leonsis, and Daniel Snyder, those fortunes came out by and large out of being pioneers of the digital age yeah. um, in the 90s. You know, Senator Mark Warner talks a lot about his, you know, career in the, the, the transformation of the cell phone mm-hmm. um, in that area. So they're, they're, this really is a cradle yes. of our area, but not a lot of people have talked about that as much across the country as they do now. Amazon's really kind of changed people's perceptions yeah, of our area. A- absolutely. I think it I think it has had a, a big benefit in terms of how people think. And it's not just for, you know, big companies that are looking to locate, you know, 500 people, 2,000 people. It's also for people as they're thinking about where am I going to start my company? Where am I going to get really high talented, you know, business people, engineers, etc. This becomes a more viable, attractive place to be. Is Amazon part of the Greater Washington Partnership? It is. Now? Amazon yeah. after um, after announcing their headquarters joined at the beginning of uh, of this year of early 2019. So when they come to this area, and sometimes you know, in any organization, it's good to kind of have a, some some new blood come in. Um, uh, what do they see as the future here? Where do you see the future is going? Do we become another Cupertino? Do we come, become another Silicon Valley right. here? Where is this going? Yeah, I mean, I think our future has to be unique to this region. Yeah. Um, one of the things that many regions around the country have been facing from a challenge standpoint is even high growth places haven't really been able to make sure everybody is plugged into the economy. This is a place that has an incredibly diverse workforce in addition to the overall talent level. It's an incredibly diverse workforce. And if we're going to demonstrate what that means to be an inclusive region, we have a huge opportunity. The second piece is um, things like transportation things like skills, things like housing affordability. Those were issues that we were facing irrespective of faster growth. It creates a lot of urgency. I think some of what we're seeing, like the announcement around the American Legion Bridge, is Mm -hmm. leaders seeing this window of opportunity, know both that there's a lot of goodwill that we can work together and push Mm -hmm. together, but also higher expectations that you got to get ahead of these challenges. It's remarkable because, you know, for so, you know, obviously throughout this country's history and throughout this area's history, you know, D.C. has always been known as just, you know, the nation's capital. What's going on right now really will will transform people's uh, viewpoint of, of what this place is. Yeah. Um, in a way that I don't think a lot of people right now see. Virginia Tech is going to have an incredible campus in Northern Virginia that's just going to be dealt with you know, these kinds of uh, you know, software and high-tech Internet developments. There has already been of the universities of Maryland up at Shady Grove working on biomedical research. They just opened up a new uh, facility the other day at their campus, which has been growing over the last couple of years. So... This, this is really kind of pedal to the metal right now as far as 
uh, these new centers opening up and the ones that are in the pipeline, they're yeah, on the way. Yeah, absolutely. And, and one thing we've done, you know, is we've brought together uh, employers and educators in something called the Capital Collab, Collaborative of Leaders in Academia and Business. And the idea is at scale, at speed, dealing with the digital skill needs, whether it's for a tech employer or a healthcare services employer or a financial services employer, these digital skills are needed across different job categories. And if you can, in higher ed and community college and through career pathways at the high school level, deal with digital skills at scale, it gives our region a huge advantage. Uh, one of the things that some regions of the country deal with is a brain drain, uh, that they will foster a generation of uh, people uh, throughout their own education system, and they will lose them. Mm -hmm. um, thinking of you know, Cleveland, for example, has worked very hard over the past decade and has had a good measure of success of, of drawing people back to their area. Um, how competitive is it to hold on yeah. to these people with these skills who you've identified correctly as already being here? Yeah. Yeah, it's it's paramount. It's absolutely paramount. I mean, competition between regions right now is all about talent. Competition between businesses is increasingly about talent. Who can who can find and keep the best people? And that is absolutely true for our region. So what kinds of things are they looking for? Is, is it the housing market? Is it health care? Uh, you know, the job is the job. But you also kind of have to have other things that yeah. uh, surround this conversation. Yeah, well, look, it's it is jobs and opportunities so it's not just the job it's knowing that i have alternatives mm -hmm. and good alternatives i have a high quality of life you know i can manage the balance between affordability and transportation that i have a strong school system for mm -hmm. my children it is the overall package of what all of us think about when we're you know picking an individual place to live how competitive are the salaries in our area compared to other regions say like in new york city or elsewhere yeah, we're we're definitely competitive. I mean, if you look from a median household income standpoint, we're we have one of the highest median household incomes um, in the country as a region. Uh, and I think, especially in these spaces like digital tech, where there's particularly high competition, um, that you're seeing some some wage growth start to pick up both here and around the country. But it's it is the important thing is it's a national market. It's a national, in some, yeah. in some cases, an international market. So we're not going to have it unless we're competitive. It's got to be an exciting time for you and the folks that work it, with the partnership. It's been, it's been a fun time, for yeah, sure. Yeah, because, I mean, you know, you know, times meet the people. People meet the times. To be in your chair right now in your position when all of this is going on, um, it, it's, it's an unprecedented time for, for businesses in this area right now, which, you know, as I said previously, always kind of looked at this region, you know, as the government first right. and, you know, the federal government or Pentagon or whatever like that. But business has really taken a, a foothold here in a big, big way, and it's just getting started. Yeah, absolutely. And look, the government's a huge asset to the region, right? Yeah. It's part of the reason our capabilities are so strong. It's part of the region we have, the talent base that we have. But getting that better interaction between private sector and public sector from an employer standpoint is a really big opportunity. But it's also us. exciting because you're going in a new direction here. You know, a lot of people kind of always look to us. All right, you know, what were you big? Okay, law firms, mm -hmm. public relations firms, lobby, right? You know, defense contractors and stuff like that. What you've got now coming in also kind of changes the dynamic of yeah. what the community always. Would yeah, I mean, if you look at the two likely growth engines for this region, yeah. it's digital tech, things like right. Amazon and related, and it's biohealth. Yeah. If you look at you know companies like. 
uh, AstraZeneca. You're seeing more biotech startups happening in the region, accessing research at places like NIH, Johns Hopkins, the University of System of Maryland, you know, University of Virginia. It's a, it's a really big deal. Those are our growth areas. Those are some of the highest growth areas in the country. And Micron we've got, in, uh, oh yeah, Micron out in Manassas, Virginia. Virginia. We've, got, um, we've got a lot going on that people in this region don't even realize is already happening. We haven't fully harnessed it yet, um, but I think we're starting to see that the roots are, are taking hold. It's got to be an exciting time. It's a great time. It's a lot of fun. All right, and you've got your work cut out for you because <laughs> you, you've got a lot of people to deal with and a lot of uh, a lot of governments as well too. But uh, Jason Miller has been our guest on the Hill this time. He is the CEO of the Greater Washington Partnership, uh, talking about roads, talking about the business here uh, in and around the nation's capital. And uh, Jason, we appreciate you taking the time. Thanks on so the much for having me, Tom. I really appreciate it. All right, that'll do it for this time for the studios of Fox Five in Washington D.C. I'm Tom Fitzgerald. We'll see you next time on the Hill. We know Georgia politics from Peachtree Street to Pennsylvania Avenue. Politically Georgia podcast delivers exclusive news and analysis five days a week by a team of veteran political insiders watching your public officials. Hosted by the Atlanta Journal-Constitution's Greg Bluestein, Bill Nygut, Tia Mitchell, and Patricia Murphy. Listen weekdays at 10 a.m. on WABE 90.1. Stream everywhere or at AJC.com forward slash podcasts. News and analysis five days a week from Politically Georgia podcast.